Hey everyone, it's Nick Carranza here, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we have a few different mortgage guests. So it's first, it's Garrett Labar and Jesse Babrowski from Calvert Home Mortgage, and then we have Lorenzo Poda who joined us from BM Select as well. So we cover a variety of different things in mortgages, but specifically what we're talking about is um, where Calvert Home, kind of where they, the segment of the market that they really play in, which is people that can have little down payment, um, short-term lending, specifically really for people flipping properties or people doing using the Burr strategy to renovate and refinance properties that's that's really kind of where they come in and play and um, we get Lorenzo's take on you know you know really outlining how this fills a void the big banks have ignore and you know how Calvert fits that as well and, and how investors are using them so it's been pretty insightful it's basically all things mortgage we get into a couple of the things as well but it's, it's it's a really interesting product that that Calvert home mortgage deals in specifically for investors investors when it comes to short-term lending and people that are doing those types of projects where they want to renovate and then refinance or or just outright sell the property um, with some decent terms it can it can be a, a, be that can be um, appealing to a lot of people so really it's like a, a mortgage bonanza if, if you want to call it and then I purposely said that because speaking of bonanzas we just had our first rock star wide networking bonanza on a Tuesday evening where we expected just maybe a few hundred people to show up we had about 600 people show up um, and it was it was awesome so many different uh, investors dealing with multiple different uh, we had uh, strategies coming out and different areas and investing overseas and all this type of stuff and and people just trading strategies and and, and, and information and just kind of helping each other out. So that was really cool. It was the first time we've done such a thing and we got great feedback. Um, and it's part of the Rockstar Inner Circle membership that we have here. Um, if that's something that you're interested in, if you're a local investor around these parts and you're looking for like up-to-date strategies, information, insights, all things kind of real estate investing, that's what the Rockstar Inner Circle is all about. You can check out all the details. If you just go to rockstarinnercircle.com and then forward slash member, that gives you an outline of that type of stuff. And um, you can see what's involved in it there. And if that's something that, that's a fit for you as an active investor, as we kind of help other investors on the streets with everything that they're doing, you can kind of jump on board there and uh, and we can get rolling from that point. So that's just a rockstar inner circle forward slash member. You know, if the, you think it's a fit for you, awesome. If not, there's a ton of other stuff on rockstarinnercircle.com that, uh, that you can check out. So with that, let's get on to the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, so we are live here. So let's go, let's go through the names. So first we got Garrett Labar easy one we got that from calvert home mortgage then we got jesse babrowski that's just sounds like that's such a bro name it rolled off your tongue it's it's a bro name man it's like it's some guy that i went to the gym oh you don't know jesse babrowski i'm like you know <laughs> like he's like he's the guy doing curls in the corner for sure um and then lorenzo poda and so jesse uh and garrett you guys are in from alberta calgary calgary yeah. specifically calgary you guys live in calgary as well you yeah. bet yeah so like what's going on with with the Oilers? Is there any rooting for the Oilers right now? Because they're like the Alberta team left in the playoffs, or no? You caught us in a tough position here because one of us is and one of us isn't. Oh, really? So, so there's so, just so, hatred for the yeah. like. So one's has pure hatred for I the am, Oilers. I am never cheering for the Oilers. Okay, but hold on. You were born in Alberta, 
right? Calgary, born and raised. Born and raised in Calgary. So that's see, that's the difference. Yes. Where were you born? Thunder Bay, Ontario. Ah, uh, see, so that so he's he's got no loyalty. He's used to cheering for other teams. Were you a Leafs fan before, or are you? Uh, no, I was. At, all my friends in Thunder Bay are Leafs fans. I grew up. I love the Oilers because it was during Messier Gretzky. Oh yeah, you're a bandwagon jumper. When you're when you're kids, I was too. I was yeah. a 49ers fan for the NFL, so I was a bandwagon jumper. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the loyalty is not as deep as Garrett. Yeah. See, that's why. And see, as Leafs fans, we're used to having to cheer for someone else in the playoffs, and usually we go to another Canadian team, unless it's the Habs. We don't cheer for the Habs. See? And then, yeah. yeah. But if but I, I can easily be swayed to cheer for the Oilers um, once the Leafs are kicked out in the, in the next game, right? So, yeah, well, yeah. his son just got an Oilers jersey, too, so now he's got that bias for this... So, oh wow! Like, oh, this is I, I love this the Oilers. So this, it goes deeper and deeper. Yeah, this seems like this is this this can create a problem long term for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're all good. Cool. Okay, so you guys work at, at Calvert Home Mortgage. For anyone that's not listening that hasn't listened to Lorenzo before, you've been on the podcast before um, uh, with PM Select. So on you know different mortgage angle. Um, I don't know. So take us through this. Just give us a, 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 a um, Calvert Home Mortgage. You guys give everyone just so they have an understanding of where we're coming from. What do you guys kind of do? What's what's the focus really? I, I, other than mortgages, we we can figure that much out. Yeah, it is. So our focus is very narrow uh, as a mortgage lender. So we focus on lending on short-term residential. So borrowers who have a short-term residential need, we want to be there. And short-term to us, one day, one year, as long as there's a plan and a realistic plan to exit our loan, we want to support that borrower. With that model. 70% of our business today is lending to real estate investors who are either buy, renovate, and sell, flippers, or real estate investors buy, renovate, rent, and then go get bank finance, build out uh, their rental portfolio that way. So that makes up the bulk of our business today. So they come to you guys because you guys are more like, like why, why do I need to know about Calvert Home Mortgage? Because I can just go to the bank and you try to do the same type of thing. Banks aren't typically wanting to do that short-term lending though. Um, typically like oh, Lorenzo sure. would know better, but um, for the most part, banks want that long-term stuff. Um, so if our, if our clients are turning things around, um, if they're turning things around in six months, that's not the business the banks want. Um, so we'll take on the clients from the purchase and then they renovate the property and either sell it or refinance. And that's when they head to the banks when they want to keep it long. Got it. And that's where they'll get lower rates. They'll pay higher rates with you guys, obviously, because of the, the premium that, you know, the, the product that, yep. that you're offering. Yep. So is but and then is it is the lending open then for you guys? Like, is there's no penalty to break because I guess it's expected to be short term, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Six. We write everything six months fully open interest only payments. So if they borrow for a day, they only pay interest for a day. They need to renew past yep. the six months. As long as the loan's performing, we renew it at no cost. But to follow up with Garrett, a couple other reasons why they'll borrow from us outside of the short-term nature. Uh, a lot of our borrowers are finding houses that haven't been touched in 30, 40, 50 years. Maybe they've had a hoarder in it, tons of deferred maintenance. So even if they are bank eligible, the bank looks at this appraisal and says, wow, this thing does not does not meet our standards. No, we won't lend to them. Uh, or another option that we have is we allow the borrower to get in with a very low capital entry. So as long as the project's profitable, borrowers are borrowing from us with as little as twenty thousand dollars down. So you could buy an eight hundred thousand dollar house, 
put a hundred grand into it, let's say it sells for 1.1, you're going to make net of everything a hundred grand. We'll support that with only 10 grand, with only 20 grand down. Yeah, but what else do I need? Because if I have 20 grand and nothing else to my name, you guys are going to like that. You're right. <laughs> so what else they need is they need to cover that down payment. So the 20 grand, they can put more down, um, which lowers the interest rate, but they need that down payment. They need the rental costs and they need the carrying costs. So you look for that as cash in the bank? No, not necessarily. Like, yes, we like to see some cash in the bank, but they can use JV. Um, they can use credit lines. They can do cash from family, all these different things. We just want to see that they have the capital to be successful in these projects. And so basically it's as long as you can fund the project, sustain it, and then be able to have an exit that makes all the numbers work. Calvert's comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hold on. Let me, let me dive into this a little bit. So the, the rate, just so everyone's talking, the rate's high, and, and which it should be for this type of lending, right? Because the rates, I know it's going to vary depending on some things, but roughly give everyone an idea of where's the rate at for this type of thing. Yeah, so rates range anywhere from 9.99 to 17.99. Okay. But you have to consider that these loans are typically only lasting six months. Um, so... You can't really, that's an annualized rate. Yeah, no, it's a, um, it's a cost of doing yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I got it. So, but, so I have 50, call it 50 grand. So I got 50 grand. I want to buy a place for, I don't know, what's a, a six, seven, call it, I don't know, 700, well, how do we make sure, it? 700, 700 grand. Okay, so I got 50 grand, 700 grand. I want to do some rentals to this place. I got to put a second suite in. We'll call it, let's call it 100 grand um, because it, just for round numbers, right? Okay. So, you're telling me with only 50 grand, there's an option. I have good credit, but I have good credit. I have, um, I have a job, you know, whatever, just like, you know, average, like decent income job, nothing crazy, high, low, whatever. Um, so I'm, there's a chance that I can get financing with limited down payment and just my, my 50 grand can get me into this property. And then if I have a, Lorenzo's going to partner up because Lorenzo money bags over here. <laughs> Lorenzo's got deep pockets. So he's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. Now I'm going to give Nick another what like what is Lorenzo like I guess what I'm saying is I only have 50 grand what else do I have to show to get this mortgage and I know there's variables and stuff like that like I get it but just give me a an idea like does Lorenzo do I have to say well Lorenzo's my partner he's got some money so here just look at his bank account and stuff like that yeah he could be your JV partner so sending us a JV agreement stating hey this guy I'm partnering with him he's giving me this much capital these are the terms and is he going on the the, the loan uh he doesn't have to no no Nope. And then you guys are doing this because the under because the underwriting you must be coming from a place where you just feel the values there. Yeah. So I'm I'm one of three senior underwriters at the office, and uh, our main two criteria are: do they have the money to be successful in this? And two, are they going to be profitable with this project? So those are two main things. The the profitability we don't want to lend on a on a flip that we don't think is going to be profitable. We want everything to work. And then when it is profitable, uh, which we hope it would be, sometimes there's scenarios where things go wrong, markets change and stuff like that. But for the most part, if it's profitable, they'll come back to us, right? They keep coming back. But if they're not, then there's less likelihood that they're gonna do more projects. So we wanna make sure each, each project is profitable. And by doing that too, we ensure that, hey, if something did go wrong, we can probably sell this to another real estate investor. 
Yeah, so it's self sure. self serving, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's self serving. If they set them up for yeah. success, then they they circle back and it's repeat clients, right? Yeah. yeah, we absolutely want to set them up for success, and the big piece of that is buying right. Like, yeah. like they're all all of our clients are making money by buying right. They're not making money because they're doing the renos at five thousand dollars better than the next guy. They're making it because they're picking the right property, executing on their plan, whether it be to sell or refinance and making money. So. Garrett mentioned, you know, we're in the business of risk. The way we manage it is we've lent on literally thousands of these, billion plus dollars. We have a ton of data of what works and what doesn't. And we arm our underwriters with that and they're they're able to make decisions for the success of the client. Does that, Lorenzo, that, that's the same, like I'm looking at the property and the, the chances of success of it, 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 it in, I guess I'm just I'm just pausing because the renovation angle, like you know, banks would look at the, the traditional financing looks at like the rent amounts and make sure that it's going to be successful as a rental yep. because they you know if you're buying something for a million bucks and you can rent it out for a thousand bucks a month, they're gonna be like that doesn't work. Yep. But um, from the construction loans and stuff from the banks, I guess are they underwriting it the same way by the uh, the way they evaluate the property? Yeah. So construction loan the banks a lot different to be honest with you. They don't really love to lend on like a single. Banks don't love to lend on like single family projects, which is kind of cool what Calver does because that's something that's kind of a very unique space right now. So it's very cool in that sense because the banks don't love construction loans on just one house. A lot of times we have to go find private financing and things like that for that kind of idea. And then also a lot of banks, especially in the position that we've done a lot of deals with Calvert as well, is it's homes that maybe aren't up to shape or there's a house structure, but it's gutted on the inside or there's a hoarder or it's someone that potentially doesn't really qualify, but wants to get into the flipping business where this is a very easy avenue for them. So that's the best way kind of for Calvert to be used as well. And then from the bank's perspective is they don't really love joining someone's project, especially on the residential mortgage side. That's a very supposed to be a low risk kind of appetite for them. So if you're saying, Hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to, you're going to tell them upfront, I'm gutting this house to the studs. It's not something they love to lend on anyway. So being able to go back to them with the finished products, actually a lot nicer for the bank most of the time. Hmm. So then you, you guys feel like you guys basically, that's the gap that you guys are filling. Yeah. And I was going to say like Lorenzo hit it on the head with, um, with the hoarder house. Like that type of stuff. Jesse mentioned it too. But like when when the banks see an appraisal that states the property's in fair condition, yeah. they're not they're not considering that stuff. So we can do that. And then the other thing is is we offer this great customer service where we can oh, yeah. fund Even we, if you say so yourself. Well, we can we can fund it we can fund a deal within forty eight hours of getting all the okay. all the documents. Yeah, that so is the, so good. there's that speed that that the banks don't have either. And be and you can do that because your funds are you're not creating funds out of thin air like the banks when they when they create a new mortgage you guys are raising capital and then lending out that capital that that you've raised from other places i guess yeah we so we operate a pool of capital and that pool of capital is made up of really two sources we use bank money so we have a bank line of credit a um, couple hundred million and they charge us prime plus 0.5 so we use, we use in our, I call it a capital stack, we have bank money and then we have shareholders. So um, we have high net worth individuals, uh, family offices and fund managers who work with us, provide us capital every year. Um, we lend out that money, we earn interest, we earn fees, goes into the fund. We are a mortgage investment corporation, so by definition, um, we are not able to carry forward earnings. So we have to net out our earnings to our shareholders every year and we provide them that return. So our goal is just to kick ass for our borrowers, 
manage risk and provide a decent risk-adjusted return for our shareholders. And historically, we've uh, for 41 years we've been doing a pretty good job at that. Has it been that long? You guys been around? Yeah, yeah. We're we, focusing on this on this particular niche specifically, or not so much. Uh, this niche has really supported our growth. So we've seen really tremendous growth the last six years. Uh, but but even 30 years ago, our founder Everett. He was working with um, some, some CFL players who in the off season would flip houses. He was a mortgage broker and he found that nobody, as we've discussed now, through, tradi- through traditional means would support them. So him and a business partner decided let's, let's support them through the fund. So that's kind of how it came to be. And we've always had a really good lens on supporting real estate investors. So. The way that we look at it today is if you go down a street, one to two percent of the houses are not marketable. Like they're they're run down. They're the general market does not want to live in them. Uh, Canada right now is undersupplied as it relates to housing. So these people are picking up these properties, renovating them, making them marketable. In a lot of instances, increasing the density, like up down duplex. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what, that's what we're supporting right now in the market. And we see a long runway for this. That was going to be, uh, one of my questions, which is, you know, what are you seeing as a, I guess maybe as a percentage basis, how many people are flipping the property and making it nice and reselling it versus trying to put in additional units and keep it after that. Yeah. So how many are burring, burring versus flipping? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's pretty close to 50-50. Really? I'd say more flipping. And I think when the market changed last... It was a year ago. January to, yeah. Yeah, January to April, um, you, you got to change your strategy. And that's when a mortgage broker comes into play. And, and it's important for them to work with someone who can say, hey, yeah, this could work as a burr uh, if we flip it over to the banks or... Maybe you need to sell this because you can't hold on to this. Got it. It's not profitable. Uh, did you see less people refinancing things as well? At, at, yeah, at that time? A, lot, a lot of less refis too. Just and sometimes it doesn't make as much sense anymore, right? There's still cases where it does. A lot of real estate investors still need access to capital to be able to go buy property. So that a lot of stuff makes sense there. Sometimes debt consolidation, but the average refinance of just hey, I need to lower my mortgage rate. That's obviously gone completely away. And obviously the need for hey, I might not be buying a house right away. I might be waiting six, seven, eight months to kind of buy the house, the refi sometimes now all of a sudden gets delayed as well. So it's been definitely lower activity, but I guess I kind of had a question too, in terms of the appraisal process for you, because I know it's obviously a lot different than a lot of lenders. So if kind of, if you have someone said, Hey, I'm going to keep this house, but I want to put very minimal down payment, that 25, $30,000 down, even if they want to put a little bit extra, how do you guys run that appraisal process for people? Yeah. Good question. Yeah, I, I know it's a little bit different. Yeah. Get into that too, because Nick was asking about, uh, how we operate that fast and that's a big part of it is we do our own internal values on these properties Um, so we have four appraisers on staff who are able to do appraisals via desktop Mm -hmm. and we also now i actually just hung my license with uh with rockstar to be a realtor. Yeah, so we we're, we're an international, bro- uh, sorry, not international, <laughs> national, <laughs> national brokerage, right, you know, right. international. Yeah. So, so we can get the data online and uh, do these values within 24 hours from Calgary. Yeah. 
Um, so that's kind of how we do it and, and speed things up. And then the clients don't have to pay for that third party appraisal either. So if someone was to come and say, Hey, I'm looking to put the $20,000 down, but my exit strategy is refinance. So is there times when you're like, Hey, well, we can't make it work with the 20,000 down because your elevated value after is probably not going to get you a refinance. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes for sure. That's why on each one of these deals, we need a detailed reno budget. It needs to be as detailed as possible because think about an appraiser. Um, like we call them internal valuators because they're not acting as appraisers, but, uh, think about them from a desktop standpoint and not being able to see a property as what it would look like when it's renovated, right? Like it's, it's tough to do unless you have all the data and information to be able to do that. So we get that detailed renovation budget and all the, like, are they knocking down walls? Are they putting in a new bathroom, all this stuff? And then we do that value. And if that value is coming in a little lower than what our clients are thinking, sometimes we say, hey, like, let's put a little more down. We can make this profitable and lower your interest rate by you putting more money down. Yep. Yeah. If I get a mortgage, so actually, Lorenzo, let me ask you first. So I get a mortgage on a property, I'm going to do one of these things. I'm not telling the banks, but I'm going to, I'm going to like really kind of renovate this property yep. in, a, in a big way. That's nowhere on the application, so they don't have to know I can qualify. The, I guess the banks don't care that I'm going to take this thing down to the studs or remove some walls or whatever the case may be. Yeah, like, you know, if you're not really telling them, then there's nothing really to say, right? Well, they so don't add, on the application exactly, process, they don't ask. Exactly, so. right? So like, no, I've seen on the application process, a lot of people don't see. The bank always wants to know a reason why you want. If it's a purchase, it's a little bit different because you need the money to buy a house. But on a refinance especially, it's why do they want this money? Where's the money going? So there's always something that has to be explained to them as to where your money's going. So it's something they want to know, and it's just being able to kind of Give, fit their mold of what they would like to lend money for. What, what are the rules? If I have a mortgage for five years and then I, I knock down the property because I'm going to rebuild on yep. it, what, what's the official rules on that? So uh, if you knock it right down to the <laughs> ground and they find out, I've seen them get pretty upset. Oh, yeah. And where if, if they, and again, I've seen a lot of times where they just never find out because no one's really driving by your house. But if they do find out, I've seen them get pretty upset and basically not let you renew when that renewal uh, comes up. But there's no official rules around that. Is there like, is there something, is there a clause somewhere on the mortgage that says yeah, that you yeah. can't knock down the house to rebuild it? Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah they won't. They won't yeah. be pretty happy with you if you, uh, oh, if you all know. of a sudden put There's it right a to the clause ground. Clause, and then that relationship is just yeah. kind of. Yeah, I figured that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, they, they will most of the time if, if they find out, which not obviously a lot, but yeah, they will just basically say, "Okay, we're calling the mortgage." And sometimes they'll let you at least last to your renewal date, so you have some time to find oh. it. Or sometimes they'll kind of. So then I wouldn't say that we have a property with a small mortgage left on it that we're probably going to knock down and build something else on the lot. Like that would be a silly thing to say, right? Yeah, now. I wouldn't tell them that. Yeah, yeah. so I won't say. I won't. I won't say that on air. <laughs> <laughs> Let them find no. <laughs> so, but then, but so, and I, the reason I'm asking is because for you guys, that, like I'm just thinking that you get involved with an investor who wants to renovate a property, rips it down to the studs, and then I don't know, the guy's got a gambling problem. That's the biggest risk that we face right. is is when they get into construction and there's a life event. So historically, um, these flip loans are our lowest loss ratios our lowest loss provisions oh really yeah yeah like even even in this market where uh in ontario we've seen a massive swing in values sure mm-hmm. and that's where that creates risk too right like they buy at x and in six months later it's literally worth 20 percent less that that's a risky scenario but even more risky is when there's a life event gambling addiction divorce something where the project goes off the rails and they don't complete um loss of job loss of job yeah. and, and those are the ones where we may lose but luckily 
we have a network of investors, we have a network of realtors, a network of brokers, and when there is a default, we work with the borrower to try to protect them, in, in turn protecting us. Of course, no, right? I mean, like, business is business too, right? We got it. Yeah, so as long as they're working, we're gonna try to figure out a way to minimize the damage. Um, and sometimes they don't work with us and we have to use um, the, the, in Ontario, it's a power of sale. Uh, but again, typically they bought all right, uh, and we have this network of people, again, the hardest part of this is finding the property. So we have this network of realtors and, and, and brokers and investors and say, hey, here's an opportunity and, and we'll take back the financing even. So it kind of, we're really good at solving our own problems. Yeah, because if, it's, if it was a decent purchase to begin with, and there's a, an invest, a, a network of investors, then it's likely that another investor will pick up on it and go for, and move forward with it from there, right? Exactly. Yep. How, what's, what's, you said power sale in Ontario. What is it in Alberta? It's a foreclosure. So it's quicker. So the, no, no. The, no? The, no. The, uh, the difference is significant. So the easiest way to put it without getting into the weeds is in Alberta, the process takes, I'm going to use broad strokes. Okay. Yeah. Process takes six months from, from start to sale on average. Sometimes so starting the problem, not, not missed payment, starting the actual foreclosure yeah, process. Yeah, like, oh, you're three months in arrears, you're not working with us, we got to move forward with okay. foreclosure. Yeah. So six months and about 10 grand in legal fees and multiple visits to the court. Whereas here in Ontario, it's, it's um, two to three months, half the timeline and half the cost. You don't have to go to court send it to the lawyer and uh, oh, we, we, we can like list like opposite with landlord tenant board versus your guys. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. A, the, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, a very much opposite. Yeah. I think landlord tenant board for us as a lender and our borrowers is a bigger risk. Like we've, we've seen some projects really mm -hmm. fail because they anticipated to get the tenants out and they weren't able to. Well, ours take forever here. It's, it's a night, yeah. it's a nightmare in Alberta. Yeah. It's a nightmare. It really, my understanding in Alberta is when a lease came up for renewal, that you could just, you could, there's no rent, is there, at one no point rent there's control. no rent controls. No, there still is no rent. So, but if you, so then you could just raise the rent $5,000 a month and they're going to leave. Whatever. Yeah. R right. So, but isn't that how you can get someone out if you need it? Oh yeah. In Alberta, to? you can get them. Oh, you're talking about getting people Ontario out in Ontario. Is, yes. In yeah, Alberta, nightmare. it's very business forward. Like, yeah. Which is, you're not which paying, is, you're out. You want to renew, market's gone up. We, 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 we the landlord can increase the rents. So how do you get someone out in Alberta? Like, let's say I, so I'm a tenant, I start, I, you know, the first comes and I'm like, hey, I'm not paying, I don't, have, I don't have money, I'm not paying you. What, what's the process? Depends on your lease too. Like if they're not paying though, you can just kick them out. Well, how do you kick them out? You got, you need some sort of court order or something like from, like you can't. Oh, like they literally won't leave? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I'm, yeah, I'm, so I'm a non-paying tenant. Yeah. And, you're, yeah, yeah. and I'm, yeah, I've decided that I'm not going to pay you. Yeah. And I'm just going to ride this thing out until I need to leave. Yeah. What, so how do you guys get me out? Authorities would come and drag you out. No, well, but how fast? Like what? You, what? You just call the police? Yeah. No. How does it? Like, how do you evict someone? What's the eviction process? Call the cops. <laughs> no, this. I, I, really? I got to look at the way. I, I I don't I don't have a I haven't gone through this. Okay. Enough. Yeah. And yeah. none none of us have. Well, rentals really Calvert. So yeah, no, no, we, yeah, got, yeah. we got a lot of people with rentals at on our team. Yeah, but no one's had to go through the eviction process. Yeah, I don't. Not that I've heard of. No, no, I know. Uh, I, that's why I, I've got to look into that. I'm curious. Because it's that easy, right? Like it seems like 
we don't hear about it because they can kick them out with no problems. And that's why a lot of Ontario people are coming to Alberta and buying yeah. property. There. And that's my understanding. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that is my understanding. It's, it's substantially easier. And that's why the power of sale process is, is funny. It's not funny to me, that's but it's a little backwards. It, yeah. Because yeah. typically Alberta is more, the, you know, a lot of the law, even tax laws and stuff. Favor, Business forward. Yeah. yeah. Right. Versus we're very, uh, you know, we seem to be falling more and more backwards. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. We've done some, some, you know, Toronto just came out yesterday and they just approved a uh, higher density, like across the city, mm-hmm. which is like, they're, I think they're the biggest city by far in North America to, to do that. I, I, I believe that don't, no one quote me on that, but I think that's the case. I have to, I have to look at it. it might not be North America, Canada for sure. Um, but so they're finally kind of realizing like, Hey, we got a bit of a problem. We kind of got to change some stuff here. Uh, they are trying to fix the landlord tenant board. They're hiring, um, like, a ton of people to try to fix that process because at one point it wasn't too bad like by the time from when you filed to when you could get an order to evict was about six weeks right so it wasn't that bad and then just this backlog just get longer yeah. got longer and longer and longer and now it's like i don't think it's six months anymore but i think it's it's it still takes it, pretty long yeah though. i think it's about five it, it to get to get in front of an adjudicator it's you're in between five and six months right now right but then even even the appeal process isn't like from what i've read and understand it's relatively easy for the tenant to appeal and say no here's why and then yep. drag it out another x amount and, of and then they can pay so if they'll give you like can't catch up even though we all know they're just going to miss the next eight months again they can keep playing that yeah. game for a while yeah they can the, the the appeal for non-payment of rent it's it's pretty cut and dry okay. okay so you but but usually for so they can if they catch up so they can put put on a payment plan and if they catch up then they, they get to stay and then even if they know they're going to miss yeah. the next three months however they have changed some things okay. around it that if they have a payment plan and then they they you know they they falter on that or they catch up and then to, they you can just kind of reimpose another payment plan or like it, it just it, it speed things up a Got little it. bit a little bit but it's still not it's not great mm-hmm. you know so yeah yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it can be kind of messy, right? And it was like like I said, it wasn't that bad. COVID when they just shut everything down, yeah. mm-hmm. that didn't help anything, right? But you guys have seen, I guess, your rent amount, and I guess this is um, goes back to your lending because in Alberta, my understanding is the rents will fluctuate greatly as well like when you guys had a big downturn in the energy sector mm-hmm. because we're canada and we don't want to invest in our energy sector yep. we, we just we just want to leave it there you yeah know? we want to pretend yeah. this, this economic opportunity doesn't exist yeah that, and that people don't consume natural resources no no we why would we do that although we will take some of it now and again and just sell it off to like a foreign a foreign country yeah, you know because yeah. we, we don't want to benefit from it so and then they can they can harvest it and sell it back to us so that's that's good but you know it's it's really smart we're, we're, we're good we're good at economics in this country yeah um but when the energy sector did get a downturn i think rents because you don't have rent controls and they can jump fast they can also come down yeah. as well right yeah absolutely yeah it's market forces is what we see yeah whereas in ontario ours are like artificially suppressed so we don't right. really see yeah. we don't really see them come down and that's you know historically even in, in multiple areas where there's they're like that mm-hmm. we don't get the we don't get the ups and downs but we don't we it's just the slow and steady approach mm-hmm. Right. So, but isn't that a, what what percentage of of your business is like in Alberta? Where are you guys primarily? Is it like Alberta Ontario, Ontario, Alberta? Yeah, no BC. Not yet. We're 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 building out the plan to go to BC, but we still see some things that we can do better in Ontario. So we want to make sure we have the business dialed in from a from a service standpoint, uh, from a risk standpoint before we expand. But um, right now it's Alberta and Ontario. And Ontario being this time last year. 
Now, keep in mind, we've only been Ontario for three years. <laughs> yeah. This time last year, 60% of our business was in Ontario, 40 in Alberta. We've, we've inverted that because the real estate market in Alberta has been strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now it's a 60-40 split for Alberta versus Ontario. But when we have uh, Ontario fully captured, we should be doing four times the business in Ontario. Got it. And when you say Ontario, size. Alberta, yeah. is that like the province of Ontario? You guys like GTA more so, or what's like the location lending base? Well, the province. Yeah. Like the full province. But like, we like to stick closer to the urban centers. Yeah. Um, but we're all over. Like we go all the way up to Sudbury and Sault Ste. Marie and Windsor. And, and so we, we're all around, but yeah, so t- tiny little towns, maybe not so much, but no. any, anything with it, it's got some sort of population, employment, exactly. and yes, yeah, that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah, anything where anything where when we look at the economy, we say, yeah, there's there's this is an economic center where there's employment, people will want to live here, um, and in turn, housing. There's some housing stability. That's where we want to play. Um, we also are very much focused on the mid to lower half of the market. And that's kind of a, well, that's where our investors are focused too. But from a risk mitigation standpoint, mid to lower half, Canadian residential real estate doesn't move as much in an economic downturn. Like the high end stuff usually gets compressed. There's always a floor to housing. So that's where we like to focus. But ideally we're lending in centers with 50,000 people or more. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that's been our investment approach too. Just we, we like this. We don't just do the single family kind of starter home market, but we like that market because to your point, in any real estate market, no matter how, how low or high price, that entry level segment is like where people are moving up into it and people are moving down into it. It's the most liquid asset yes. when it comes to real estate. So especially for you guys, if you have to take back a property, you know that you'll be able to sell that. You know, not the, you don't might not know the exact price, but you know that there's going to be demand, especially with today's kind of the way today is, there's going to be demand for that property, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Like, like in this downturn, we've had to sell five properties through power of sale in Ontario. Yeah. Um, over the last six months, we've only had five power sales in Ontario. We've, we've lent hu- on hundreds of properties. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is that Hun- good? Do you guys look at that as good? We're bad? V- yeah, you feel that's, a, that's been solid? Considering, what, ha- considering yeah. what, what we went through in the last year, you guys feel that's solid? Considering what happened, we are very happy with those results. Yeah. But more importantly, how liquid the properties were. So we go to power of sale, you're dealing with these properties that are unfinished. And we, in most instances, multiple bids. Uh, in most instances, we were out within 30 days. So our thesis on lending on that mid to lower half proved itself out in a in a really poor market. Like when this is almost in the last 30 years, unprecedented for Ontario for it to drop this quickly, this much. Yeah. And and our risk, our underwriting, really kicked ass through it. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. That was a pat on the back for you, Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over. Well, we had that huge run up. Right, and that's why a lot of people went to Alberta because they, you guys, everyone got the run up because when the government floods that much money into the system, you know that's why lumber, beef, like you know the prices of everything were were skyrocketing. But we were up, I think we were up fifty to like most areas in Ontario over a two year period were up fifty to sixty percent. It was insane. It was it was, and now they've come back down, but they're still up. Probably last I checked, it's probably about nine to about you know nine ten percent over that over that period, like a yearly you know increase over that period. And our long term average, we went back to the Toronto Real Estate Board. We went back to um, 
I think the data we could get was 1969. And we looked at the average yearly increase from 69 to, at the time we did this, was the end of last year. It was like September of last year. And when we looked at the average yearly increase, it was just over 7%. Annually, it's nuts. and yeah. we, I thought it was low. I thought it was actually closer to five. I was expecting it to be closer to five because I was always under that impression. But it's actually seven, and it didn't increase. So then we thought we're like, okay, did from two thousand eight onwards, really skew these numbers. So we took out two thousand eight to two thousand and twenty, mid two thousand twenty two, and then um, the number wasn't that much different. It was it was like high six, it was like six point seven or whatever. And then if we looked at just what two thousand eight to twenty twenty two was, it was you know seven point four or something like that. But anyways, so we're right around. Even without kind of what we've seen with kind of these low interest rate policies, we're still a high si- in between six and a half and seven percent year over year, mm-hmm. and that's through ups and downs and everything, right over yeah. the long term. So, but uh, in Alberta, are you guys? So what happened here? So you guys are from like familiar with a lot of the areas, yeah. Toronto. So a lot of money came into Toronto. Affordability got challenged. A lot of people were leaving Toronto, going to these other areas like Hamilton and stuff. And then people looked at these these people from Toronto coming to Hamilton. They're like, these jerks, why are they coming here with you know these higher incomes? Now they're pushing the price of real estate up here. So there has been a, a, you know more people from Ontario looking at Alberta because they didn't have the same run up in prices, although they've, they they've held it now. And they, they've had increases when people had decreases in other parts of the area. Yep. Do people from Alberta now hate people from Ontario even more because of this over the last year? I don't think so at all. No. No, no. I, I think we, we welcome it. Like this is no, this is helping our market. Like, I don't know if you walk because we whenever do. I've been Alberta, they're like, "Are oh, you from Toronto?" Well, I, well that, that's, that's the personal side oh, okay, for the real okay. estate market. We're welcoming. Oh, obviously. all right, okay, but, I got it. <laughs> just yeah, kidding. and even I, I would think that that dislike may come from what we talked about earlier with the political point of views and the fact that federally the the country is not supporting Alberta like it could. Yeah, um, which is for a lot of Albertans, a really shameful thing to happen. But from the standpoint of people coming to Alberta, we, our, our province's uh, boon has been a boom province for a long time because yep. of people coming. And today, so it helps then. today there's a lot yep. of jobs open. There's a lot of Is it, talent it, it, coming into Alberta, particularly Calgary and Edmonton. And what, uh, what, most what of us welcome that. Okay, and what industry? Energy again? We're seeing energy uh, always, our but tech, not, yeah, not our tech much. industry is is getting better too. Yeah, yeah I've so. seen that. I've yeah. seen. Yeah. I've, I've read a couple articles on that too. So you're seeing growth in that that area as well. Yeah, we have a tech hub. We have a lot of very smart, uh, educated young people in Calgary and Edmonton, and that kind of grows itself, right? So offices are half the cost of Toronto. Um, you can live in Calgary the furthest outside of the city in, in the suburbs, you could be downtown in half an hour. That house in the suburbs, single family house with a, hun- with a 50 foot front lot, 150 deep, is gonna cost you 500, 600 grand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and we're, we're an hour away from the mountains. Um, so cost of living is really great. Like when we're hiring people, we see a lot of really talented people from Ontario applying because they have a desire to own a home. And they can't, that, the likelihood of them accomplishing that, staying in the GTA, is much lower than coming to Alberta. And not to mention our earnings in, in Calgary are higher than that of, like our average earnings right. are and higher you, than you that of Toronto. Home, yeah. So, and, and our income tax is lower. Uh, we don't have PST, we, I guess it's HST here, so we pay 5%. So there's a lot of things happening yeah. that are driving 
young, energetic, educated Makes people sense. to us. It's, it's, it's just, it's game theory, right? Yep. Like when, when and, and we're seeing <coughs> the numbers of people leaving Ontario are growing. They're, they're all, I, I think it's an all time high. I, I, you know, I know it's an all time high in the last 20 years. I haven't gone back really further than that, but they're growing. The, we're just getting so many more people in that even though the number of people leaving, yeah. it, it doesn't like our growth, our yeah. overall population growth is still jumping. Um, but it makes sense. Like if you can, if you can get in a good opportunity and elsewhere, there's a lot of people, even during COVID, we saw people going out East and mm-hmm. all sorts of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in, the, it, in the real estate market right now in Ontario, what are you seeing? Yeah, well, from a lot of us, a lot of people are kind of the single family in the duplex are doing like pretty well, obviously still sales wise, like we still see offers come in. I'm sure you still seen like Nick still seen multiple offers on the properties like that. A lot of people are also reverting to like commercial and things like that now just to try to keep finding ways to make those numbers work. Um, yeah, so it's been a lot, obviously a lot of new constructions coming up still. So it's a little bit of everything, to be honest with you right now. But still, there's definitely lower transactions. I'm sure Alberta is the same way, very low transactions, but then tons there's of no people supply. are like, it, No supply. No supply issue, I think, on our end. Yeah, on our end, we're pre-approving like over like almost 200 people, 250 people a month. And just that's not yet just so the pipelines are getting really big because everyone wants to do something. Just no one can do anything right now. Yeah, I'd say the last 60 days we saw the, the, the yeah. transaction, like from Pickup. whenever it was, November through February call it or something it was it was you know people a lot of people had their hands in their pockets and they were yep. just like hey let me just see where the dust settles here with you know these rate hikes and mm-hmm. stuff and then once they got the impression that the you know okay we're kind of reached the top here what and even if they raise another quarter point at this point as a percentage it doesn't really impact things right yep. and then so then people started coming out of the woodworks and be like okay now I know where things lie I I they got to do something and you know a lot of people the investors that we work with they're just you know, the, the numbers are tighter on the properties, mm-hmm. but they're still under the, they still want the asset because they're seeing what's happening to their purchasing power of their savings. And they're like, what, you know, we know people that have, people that have sold their, their businesses recently. And they said, okay, this was great, but now what the heck do I do with this money? Like I can't save this money. Like I need to invest it someplace. Cause if I don't, it's just going to, the value of it just disappears. Inflation's eating it up at yeah. 5% annually right yeah. now. Yeah. And that's if you, you know, if you actually believe the 5%. The right. Yeah, yeah. But right. if we look at the things that we want in, in life, like the things or the things we need. So if we look at energy and we look at the cost of, um, you know, food and, you know, I'll look at meat primarily. And as you know, some people don't eat meat. And I mean, good for them, I guess. I feel sorry, you know. More for you. I, yeah. <laughs> I have no problems. You know, I'll, I'll take, I'll take double the share. No, but that's fine. But I mean, if you look at protein, it's just the cost has gone up right and it's just like it's and it's not going up five percent a year mm. like your no one's grocery bill has gone up five percent so it's a little bit of it's a little bit of kind of i it's just it's fake math the the, the debt is growing by eight percent a year so if they're growing the debt by eight percent a year that's money in the system and we know that that's growing by eight percent then we know that the inflation's higher than that theoretically it should be eight percent yeah, yeah the value of our money should be going down at the rate that they're increasing the debt exactly so it just doesn't yeah so that's why so we're seeing investors are like look yeah you know what i should have bought five years ago i get it yeah. but i still for me for the next 10 or 15 years i want assets in my name 
And because I just feel like this asset inflation that we're seeing because of the, the economic policy that we follow is important. And that's yeah. that's kind of been their priority. And still pretty, to me at least, pretty clear that real estate's still the best option of all the asset classes you can buy. It's still the safest option and obviously proving to be the best option too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah nothing's really changing that. It was just unfortunate for those that bought from that January to April period. But sure. since then, yeah. yeah. Since but then, even then, like, wait, wait five off. years, wait yeah. five years, yeah, exactly. And back, right? Exactly. If you can afford it and hold yeah. onto it, great. But now, like things have tailed off. It's it's very balanced again. It seems like, and there's just not that much supply. Yeah, so. you're right. Because from from I guess like November twenty one yeah. to Feb twenty two, yeah. and you guys saw it too. You must have seen it in in the underwriting the department. You must have been like, what the hell's going on with these prices? Because prices literally went straight yeah. up, and then they you know they came back down. The the good news, I guess, is that there were, you know relative to other times in the past, there were so few transactions going through because there was such a supply shortage that was causing the prices to jump that there wasn't this whole whack of people that really bought right at that peak. Like it happened so fast Mm -hmm. and then it came back Mm -hmm. down versus, so like if you look at the actual TREB numbers, 2022 average sale price was actually up last year over 2021 even with the drop in prices because the, the peak happened so fast yes. and then came back yeah. down. Yeah. So it was like a weird kind of a weird dynamic, yeah. right? You must be, if you're an underwriter, you must be a numbers guy. Yeah. Do you look at that type of data too? Or you, you're just, you're just more focused on the individual properties. Yeah, we do. We do our monthly economic reports too. Oh, okay. And, and being able to have a realtor access and get the data, we can, we can do those economic reports even better. Yeah, so, you can see it a little bit more in depth. So yeah, we're, we'll get more and more into the details about uh, the economics of, of Ontario and we already do in Alberta, but for sure we look at that. And that was a crazy drop off. Like it was, it oh, was yeah. so quick. And the peak was crazy too. Like yeah. the, the run-up was like, it was those few months. I was like, what, what is happening? That, yeah. And the, and the mindset going into that too was before it happened, it was like, well, I, I can't lose money. Everyone in Ontario was thinking, okay, well, oh, everything's just going up all the time, up, up, up. And so when we're doing our internal values, we base it on specific data. When some people were like, oh, well, well, the market's still going up like crazy. Like I can inflate my number on the back end even a little higher. Yeah. Like, like, wow. like realtors and brokers and borrowers were literally telling us that you have to add in an appreciation factor. And we say, no, we're valuing it at today's dollar. For sure. If there happens to be appreciation, great for you, but we don't speculate here. Yeah, especially, yeah, like you said, especially on a short-term six months, there's no major, there should, in under any normal circumstances, there shouldn't be no really major appreciation Appreciation going on Or depreciation for that matter. And that's why we love that short-term stuff. But back to your question, we're very much data-driven and we're looking at, leading and lagging indicators, micro and macro, and really it's supply numbers, really it's what HPI is doing, um, d- days on market. So today, similar to what you guys are saying, you know, we've, we're very comfortable with most markets in Ontario. Um, we've seen prices level off. We see the fundamentals as it relates to inventory be strong. So we're really excited to support borrowers and investors in Ontario and deploy capital and yeah. we're, and we're, we're well supplied too. So not even on just the real estate investing side either. Like we want to help all clients with short-term purchases and stuff. Cause Bridges. as you yep. know, like there's a lot of times where the banks just last minute, there's a condition that they just can't meet. And they're like three days before closing and like, okay, I need a solution. And we can be that short-term quick solution for clients. 
Yeah, it's, sure. it is nice. It does fill a gap for sure. Yeah. Let me ask you something. I want to go back to something though about Alberta specifically and, and energy because this, this blows my mind. And it, it, it's it's it, we've had a guy that does a lot of multi-unit stuff in Alberta, Pierre Paul, um, on podcast a couple of times. And he always gives us the ranting. He's a French Canadian originally, and so he's got the you know the French Canadian rant going all mm-hmm. the time about uh, about Alberta and stuff. And it blows my mind that we had someone, so I think it was the German, one of the German ministers came over looking for LNG, like liquid natural gas. And we basically got turned away by Trudeau and just said like, no. And then they signed, it was only a matter of weeks later, they went and they signed a deal with someone to buy. I forget where they're buying it from now. And probably I, somewhere uh, in the, you know, Arab yeah, yeah, world yeah. or yeah. Russia or it's the right. Well, it's, well, they didn't sign it with Russia, but what's happening now a lot is it's the Russians are selling it to like the Indians. The Indians are reselling it to Europe yes. and they're just paying more for it. And it's going around. And I'm like, this is crazy. But a form uh, of a form of social washing. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? exactly. Yeah. So in when that type of stuff like happens in Alberta, when you just see this like this, this opposition to one of the industries that can be beneficial. And I look at it, I don't think just for Alberta, I think it can be beneficial for the entire country. Like selfish, selfishly for someone in Ontario, I'm like, well, yeah, okay, let them benefit. It's there. But overall, if, if they're benefiting, we're all benefiting. Like this is just growth for everyone. What's the, like, is it, just first like you guys just get like overall is it just pissed off or what like you're from ontario what what took you to alberta work oh okay i i finished university and i wanted to trade and there was a, and how long ago would you go there i went i moved there in 2007 so i've been 16 okay years so now. you're long enough to get pissed yeah. off too that's why i'm wondering i'm i'm yeah. i yeah i look at myself as an albertan for sure um and it is wildly frustrating i'm surprised that the frustration hasn't showed more in our politics, although it's starting to. Like, like we're 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 likely to elect um, um, a conservative leader again. Oh, and who's likely? Uh, Alberta is. Alberta is. Oh, no, no, okay. no, Alberta is. Yeah, but but uh, the, but this conservative leader has always has already brought up leanings towards secession. Um, yeah, she's got some pretty strong statements. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But but looking at it macro like like world leader type stuff the, there's this gentleman peter zehan he's a demographist uh economist and he he wrote a chapter on the alberta problem and predicts that the divide unless unless we fix it as a nation will continue um the the the, the fact that alberta is this economic engine that's being thwarted federally um and uh at some point the the people of Alberta are going to are going it, to it's going to become an issue federally. Yeah. I think so. You know, we're, we're, these transfer payments, um, Quebec looked to leave, and then we bribed them with transfer payments, yeah. and now Alberta is being sucked dry with these transfer yeah. payments. And Al- Quebec almost created the path to lead it, leaving. Yeah. So it's something that we have to think about. And I'm surprised. Like I, I know Garrett and I are very much federalists, so so we, we're we're happy Canadians, but. Yeah, but sometimes you're like, it's, you know, like I'm, I like, you know, if I'm part of a group, I'm like, hey, this is a great group. But if all of a sudden the group starts working against me, I'm like, hey, I got to, re- I, like, I got to, I don't feel like I'm as part of this group anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> no words. No, <laughs> I don't. no, it's so weird yeah, though because. But we, I'm, like, I'm, it's frustrating. Like, it's like we have all this oil in Canada and we can't get it across our country. So, and people are like, oh, well, well, we'll just deal with, we won't have oil. We can, we can get it elsewhere. Where do you think it's coming from elsewhere? 
Like I'd our oil is some of the elsewhere. cleanest. Like we're some of the one of the cleanest countries. We're shipping. What's so, funny is we're shipping in oil exactly, from Saudi Arabia. Exactly. So even for is the that clean. So even for the environment, if people are using the entire <clears throat> the mentalist kind of argument, it's like, well, I mean, you gotta kind of look at the whole supply chain when you're looking at that. You know. So yeah, it's yeah. it's it's funny because the 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 dynamics of Canada when it comes if you look at the map. Um, with you know how people kind of vote, the, it's the cities are very different from the vast majority of the country. Mm-hmm. Just the the electoral system. I mean, Trudeau last time got in, it was an all time low support for a prime minister. I think it was what thirty two, thirty two or thirty three yeah. percent, yeah. something like that. And I'm like, wow. So that's so we're voting in a leader with thirty two percent. Like that seems like I feel like the systems are like our 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 election system slightly broken there too. It doesn't. Something's not adding up to me. You yeah. Know? So like, how low does that go? But anyways, okay. So I just we're I, not going to solve that here, but it is, <laughs> no. it is definitely something that we as Canadians should have on our radar. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, the, the reason I'm asking and looking at it is because there is like, if it, from an investor perspective, there is growth opportunity in Alberta, and if you keep your eye on that trend with that, like if if once some if some things start changing in the, well, the way people look at that sector again, there then becomes. Uh, you know, a lot of opportunity in Alberta, you know, if that ever changes and and, and the mood towards the energy sector changes. I think that's why I'm looking at it because I look right now, um, you know, the condos going up in in Calgary and there's demand for some investors going there and stuff. But I'm like, you know, in in some other areas around here, we've seen that that story before. And I I don't know exactly the housing dynamics there. So I'm kind of, I could be mistaken here, but sometimes it's just like those products were forced on, you on a scenarios here where there wasn't really demand for those in the past. And that's why I'm not sure where that lies in, in those areas. Short term, there, there can be demand. And I just don't know what kind of population growth you guys are seeing and what kind of housing. You know. We're seeing, we've never seen population growth that we've seen in the past year in Alberta. So you guys are seeing the same thing. Then. Yeah. And, um, and primarily, primarily from um, Ontario. international or, or no, no. within, so within Canada. It's, okay. it's mostly interprovincial that we're seeing. Yep. Because what we what we have seen typically is because of the the infrastructure and community here in the GTA, um, immigrants will typically land here first. Uh, it's just there's the infrastructure, there's the family, there's the support systems, um, and then you'll see them migrate to opportunities throughout Canada once yeah. they yeah. once they've assimilated and and kind of have have uh, have those needs met. Yeah. Um, but but even what you were saying about. Um, if uh, we as Canadians start looking at energy different. Uh, but what's happening also in the energy sector is these same companies that are taking fossil fuels out of the ground yeah. are also investing in renewables. So so like mm-hmm. the geothermal, the, the the hydrogen, the wind, like all of don't, that. Don't en- talk to me about wind. All, <laughs> regardless, We're not allowed regardless, to talk about that. Regardless, <laughs> all, of, all of that. <laughs> All of that engineering, all of that design, all of that brain power is happening in Alberta. So we, it's likely yeah, that we transition, but that transition is going to take 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Yeah. So these companies and these individuals want to be at the cutting edge of it to ensure that, mm-hmm. um, that, that if and when yeah. fossil fuels are no longer existent, they can transition to it. Yeah, I was joking about the wind because I see those windmills more, I, 75% of the time they're not even spinning. Yeah. And then <laughs> when you look into them, I'm like, I just don't understand that. These things don't do anything best I can yeah. understand. But anyways, that's a whole other conversation. Back to the mortgage side, funding, a lot of people, investors will come to us, they're like, ah, you know, and they, a lot of investors don't realize 
I think, how much money is available. So from, I guess, both your angles. So Lorenzo, from your angle, and then from you guys, do you, if there's a, a decent deal, I'm not talking this like, you know, needle in a haystack deal, but a decent opportunity. Is there ever a problem finding funding for a decent opportunity? Do you guys have ever seen that? Not, not my, really, my, to be honest with you. Like if you have a good deal, the, the location's good, especially with the location's good, like that opens up the doors for a lot of people where you run into problems if you're buying the property that's half half apart, half together with someone with a poor credit score, borrowing history in a random location, right? But if it's something where it's, it's a good good deal and good, especially good location, putting the actual borrower themselves aside, it's very tough not to find the money somewhere for it. Yeah, the mortgage brokers have all the options. Like if they can go to multiple different sources, they know all their lenders and usually there's lenders out there with capital. From our side, we have lots of capital right now. So we're looking to place more and more in that short term mortgage lending. What do you guys look at when it comes to, um, so I'm the investor coming to you and then you said you wanted a detailed rental plan. Because yep. how do you know that I'm going to be able to kind of complete this? So you, I, I guess credit score is a big one. You want to see that I can manage money, right? Yeah, for the most part, like a, it's over 70% of our clients right now, over a 650 Beacon score. Okay. So yeah. they're, they're good clients. And then what about the rental aspect? But we're, we're, we're doing we're getting to know the investor intimately. So Lorenzo brings us a client. We're unique in that great Lorenzo. We want to support Joe. Garrett's going to get on the phone with Joe. And he's gonna say, hey, Joe, tell me about your plan. Who's gonna do the completion? Oh, you're a carpenter. Great. Who's gonna do the plumbing? Oh, you got Buddy doing the plumbing. Okay, so your your rental budget makes te- sense. You've thought uh, through it well. That doesn't terrify you, though, if they're gonna do it themselves? Because what if it's just some hack drop? Yeah. Well, so we also look at their past history. Okay. So we like to see, hey, have you done other projects? Like, could you send us some photos? Or maybe you have an MLS listing of one that I can check out online. Okay. And be like, okay, this is quality work. Talk to, hey, have you done uh, have, yeah have you done it yourself in the past or do you do it through contractors and have you qualified those contractors like it's a lot different when you're dealing with a first time real estate investor or one that's historically done a bunch of them got it and how do you guys look at those like someone comes in hey it's my i own my current home i got some equity and it puts the first time i'm gonna buy a property and i plan to flip it and they're very green how do you guys look are those hey just put more down payment we'll kind of be able to guide you through it or how do you guys look at those we're big on education for one so we'll definitely talk to them about hey have you done all the steps that you need to do to ensure you have the right plan right team in place like if they're doing a bird you have a mortgage broker in place do you have a good realtor on your side who can who can get you the right Right property so we go through all the steps with them over the phone talk about their plans like have you vetted your contractor like we know how important that is yeah. like we've seen contractors skip on properties oh gosh, and, yeah. Yeah. and uh, costs go way up so they have to have a plan and contingencies in place to make sure they're comfortable so when it's a first-time flipper or a first-time real estate investor we're doing a lot more conversations and talks on the phone about their plans and making sure they're set up yeah, and, and to that point, Nick, our our best borrowers have historically been the tradesmen, the guys that are coming in mm-hmm. with, with paint on their jeans and, you know, sawdust in their hair. And uh, they know what to do. They can solve their own problems again. And now, typically, those same contractors will evolve into project managers and 
be able to know all that. The, the, the scary ones are when they watch HGTV and they think they can yeah. do it and they call Joe Contra, one, you know, one call, like not multiple quotes, one call, one bid, yeah, let's go, let's do this job. And they haven't thought it through. So we want to work with the people that are entrepreneurs, that know their numbers, that have quoted it out three times, that know exactly how much a square foot of drywall is going to cost them plus the paint. So that's the work that Garrett and his team are doing is really understanding who is this borrower, what is their likelihood of success. Now, the green people will still work with but as Garrett mentioned, he'll just do more work with them. He'll check. He might check in more often. He might ask a couple extra questions. Hey, what he might point them into. Hey, maybe you should talk to this renovator. Maybe oh, you you don't have a you don't have a realtor who understands real estate investing. You might want to talk to the one of these three. Like we'll just take the approach to put in the extra effort to hopefully increase the likelihood of success. Hmm. What's the hardest part for you guys? That sounds like to me the hardest part in the lending because finding out about the property seems easy. The number seems kind of easy, but it's understand because when you have to understand the person at that level, mm-hmm. that's, in that short of time too, because yeah. the banks don't get into any of that with this person. They, they're just looking at this person on a piece of paper because they exactly. they're not looking at the, there's no project, right? Yeah. So the bank's looking at it where this person fit my debt servicing. If so, all right, great. Nope. Move on to the next one. I don't like the banks. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, I don't see that. Them. If I'm actually applying for a mortgage right now and you're working at one of the banks listening to this, I actually really appreciate <laughs> everything you're doing right now for, <laughs> until it funds. Then we have a problem. No. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's all character based. Like that's the toughest part. We need to ensure that they're they're qualified borrowers. But part of that, like it's there's a bunch of different pieces to it, right? Like you got your stuff that the banks would get. We get the same things. We get credit, their notice of assessment, make sure they're paying their taxes, they got funds, they have history of doing these renovations, stuff like that. So just qualifying that. But once we get to that point and they do a successful project, we've made that relationship and we can just keep you going. Second, third, fourth, and keep going. Yeah, What's so it's, brilliant is most of it is repeat business. Yeah. Repeat yeah. business and they're coming back and then there's it's an easier qualification process, right? Because we know their work, they were successful, so let's move on to the next project and make some more progress. Yeah, then it becomes more just about the pro- yeah. the opportunity because exactly. you know, you, 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 there's some trust being built with this person. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Rinse and repeat. Garrett works with some clients that literally, here's the budget, here's the house, Snapshot of the bank account, turn it around, same day, fund it two days from now. I think one one of our clients in Alberta has 20 projects on the go right now. 20 flips. On the go? Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, Yeah. and and most of the qualifications just, hey, what's the rental plan? And honestly, with their rental plan, I already know. Our evaluators internally know because we've seen so many end, uh, end products that we can just say, hey, this is what it's gonna look like, this is what, what it's gonna be, and we can evaluate it and say, hey, yeah, you're good to go, you have the money, let's do another one. You could literally go on Calgary MLS and say, oh, that's his project, because you know every time, you so. know his design, you know his paint, you know his lighting, like it's, yeah. it's he's almost a, he's almost a, like the, 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 we'll call it the row home builder, but doing it from a flip standpoint, he's, he's, well, yeah, if he's got 20 on the go, they, ha- exactly. He's yeah. got, he's, yeah. he or she's got just what they do every single Crew doing time. it all the time. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, from one, and they can use the same crew move from one to yeah, another. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's put, it, put in place. Three or four crews that go from one to the next, and he's a general contractor. Exactly. He's just taking the upside. He's taking the up the upside on the on the on the property instead of just doing it for other people, right? Mm -hmm. And when yeah. you can implement your own systems, it's easier than dealing with the homeowner because the contractors I know they're like, holy cow, man! They mm -hmm. can't decide on their tile, yeah. that grout color. I got to talk to them for an hour and a half about the grout color. It's just like pick the, you know, yeah. so that these people just know they have the same five things they use and they throw it in there. Exactly. How'd you get into underwriting? Um, that's a longer, actually we have a, we have a pretty funny history, but, um, I was, I was supposed to go back into oil after I, uh, I came back from university and I told my boss at the time, Hey, I'd, I'd like to go to Australia for three months and did that and oil crashed. And he's oh. like, okay, well, we don't have a job for you anymore. So, <laughs> um, and my dad actually happened to be an investor at a different mortgage lending company in Calgary. And Jesse was one of the partners there, I think. Um, and he hired me there. And then... Oh, funny. And so Garrett's dad two, and I did a lot of business. Yeah, yeah. And then I think two months into me being there, Jesse pulls me into his office. He said, hey, I'm leaving. I'm like, get here's the, here's the master plan. I was like, yeah, yeah. On it. get out of here. And they're like, no way you're leaving because everyone else is like older here. You're the only guy like close to my age. Like, come on. And so he left and I stayed there for about four or five years and then had a falling out. And then they were looking at Calvert for another cool. underwriter and hired me again. And that's nice. you left there to Calvert directly? Yeah. Yeah. So we were, Garrett and I worked previously at a, a syndicated mortgage lender. Okay. And what a great way to learn underwriting. What a great way to learn yeah. real estate. Because what we were doing there is we were going to the market and saying, here's the type of capital we have. Mortgage broker would send it in. We'd package it up and send it to these wealthy people. So let's say I needed 800 grand. I'd package it up, the due diligence. I'd, I'd give, kind of like investment banking, give my, give my summary and send it to 10 guys and say, I need 800 grand first come first serve. And these 10 guys or gals would call and they'd question this and question that. But I'm learning from these business people who have, who have decades of experience. And this was during the mortgage crisis I started it. So anyhow, Garrett and I were doing that for, for, I did it for eight years before joining Calvert. I've been with Calvert the last eight years. And Garrett did it for the first five, four years, five years of his career. And now the last three, four, 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 yeah. four years. Oh yeah, so you get you get the experience. How long have you been at this, Lorenzo? Uh, six, five, six years now. I started when I was like seventeen. So yeah, he started. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we we basically it was like hey, I'm not going back to school, and everyone <laughs> around him was like, hey, look. I think you just go get that piece of paper and finish it off. But and I think the, the last year for school for you was tough to get. <laughs> All four were pretty tough. But yeah. <laughs> the last one was bad. <laughs> well, if you're that type of driven person like you guys, you not see opportunity. Yeah. You're just like, man, like I feel like, you know, I started my first job out of school was at the a municipal government. So the regional appeal, and I would leave here, I would leave there, sorry, frustrated all the time. And people are like, I don't get it. Like, why are you so pissed off? They're like, this is, you got the government job, you're gonna have this pension. Like, this is great. That's kind of what people want. And I'm like, I can't, I'm wasting my time there. Like I just, I, I can't do anything. Like I'm just, it's chewing up so much of my time. So I'd imagine at school, that's kind of same idea. Like, oh man, yeah. I just want to get this done. What are we you doing here? Yeah. yeah. So cool. So what's the process? If people want to learn more about any products, they reach out to you, like where, th where should they go to kind of reach out to Calvert? Do they reach out through a broker? They can, I know they can call, yeah. contact yeah, we, we're what, Calvert all the time. So you can always contact us. We do a yeah, yeah. business together and uh, yeah, we can definitely go that way. And they can check you guys out where? Yeah, we have, just on our website, or we have some good Instagram handles and uh, 
Facebook and we're on all the social media stuff. And, but yeah, for sure. We deal with a lot of mortgage brokers too. So more. Yeah, I understand the mortgage brokers will, sure. are, the, are yeah. the conduit to you guys yeah, primarily. Exactly. You want to respect those relationships hundred yeah. percent. But everything we do is education. So yeah. you, if you check out our website, it's all going to be about educating the board to be more successful. And that's what Calvert home Calvert.com. C H M I C. Calvert Home Mortgage Investment Corporation.ca. Okay. CHMIC.ca. Uh, just look up Calvert Home Mortgage on Instagram and it'll again be all about educating. We what do, do you guys a, put on Instagram? We do a ton of case studies, like before and after people love oh, yeah? it. Uh, tips for flips, what to watch out for, design ideas. Um, oh, that's we, kind of cool to we'll, check we'll, out. Yeah. We'll, you know, we have. 3,000 real estate investors and we'll say, hey, check out the podcast we just did. Yeah. So stuff like that where where we're truly providing some value through education and, we, and we'll post stuff on YouTube as well. But um, yeah, you can, that, that's where you find us. Cool. And then you guys are here in town for a couple of days. You came out, you're going to a Jays game. You're not going to a Leafs game because <laughs> you refuse to root for anyone, no. any other. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, just not Edmonton. Just not oh, Edmonton. Not Edmonton. So it's like Toronto. Us, it's like us with the Habs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Toronto, like if they're the last Canadian Canadian team, maybe you throw 15% of your support that way just because, you yeah, know, well, that, that seems like a stretch. Yeah, that, that <laughs> seems like a stretch. McDavid, though, but you have to, you have to respect oh. McDavid, even though he's on Edmonton. He's so you good. have to he's respect so yeah. that guy. There's no doubt. I, was I just wish he wasn't the there. Day. He wasn't supposed to be there. He was supposed to be in Buffalo. Well, so. you know what? It's a, a, the same thing about Edmonton, nothing against Edmonton fans, but I got to be honest. They had how many first round picks and how many years? Exactly. To have that many first overall picks in that many years and still be as deficient as they were this long period of time. You know, like I want McDavid to win 100%. I, that guy to watch, it's like watching a video game mm-hmm. with the things he yeah. does. I want that guy to win, but man, yeah. you know, and when they signed Campbell, I was like, oh, you, at that price, you can have him. Well, the Leafs don't need him at that price. So that, yeah. that one, that they did us a favor. So yeah, go Edmonton for I, doing I, it. They helped us out there. I know our Oilers fans at our, uh, at our office will love to hear this, this oh. part of the, <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> You're churning in your skin. All so you, but it, okay, okay, last Last question. Yeah, so, but if they win, are you happy for McDavid? Not the Oilers yes, or the fans. Yes, You're happy for yes. McDavid? Okay, that's cool. I can respect that. I He's the best that. in the game. So really yes, you have to you have to respect. He that. really you have is, to man. you have to want that for him, not not necessarily the team, but for him. He's yeah. incredible. Yeah, and he 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 was close to being on the Leafs actually. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. yeah, they were right yeah. they were right in the running there because they, they were in the, the lottery uh, at that point yeah, too. Yeah. He was very yeah. close to being on the Leafs, and I was like, I mean, hey, Matthews is good. I'm not knocking Matthews. He's not McDavid. He's not McDavid. Well, no one, no one. You know what I mean? So. I can't see him in the playoffs. Oh, no. Hey, we're yeah. not going there. Edit, edit. What's the time stamp? <laughs> cool. I think we'll leave it at that, guys. Anything else you guys want to cover? No, just appreciate no, you great. having us. And yeah, look forward to chatting again. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. We'll do it again. We'll see what, you know, next time we can um, look at some case studies or whatever is going on in this. Yeah. It'd be awesome. People would kind Perfect. of get some insight into that and get an idea of that stuff. We can throw some stuff on, on the yeah, screen we, and we can share that up on YouTube and stuff. We can talk some on the investing side too next time. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks. guys. All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you're a hockey fan, you can see that the the rivalry between the Flames and Oilers runs deep, especially when when Garrett was talking about it. He just there's he just can't give any credit over to the Oilers. He's got a tough time doing that as 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 a, as a Flames fan. So I think we can relate between the Leafs and the Habs over here. So that was interesting. We got into some energy policies across Canada, and there's a whole ton of different mortgage stuff. So um, it was great that they came out. Um, hope you enjoyed it. And again, if you're looking for you know. 
this type of stuff or constant updates from uh, mortgages, the economy, what's going on on the streets and investing, head over to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's the membership we run for local investors um, where we help them out with all that stuff and, and give them as much insight and information as they can um, between you know ourselves, the Rockstar team, and a list of professionals that kind of come in and give different courses, classes, and all sorts of stuff for members and all the tools that they can leverage that way. So that's at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. And that's it. So until next time, your life, your terms.